This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. From HR, finance, and procurement forms to student-facing forms like IEPs and device consent forms, paperless workflows powered by Adobe Sign create digital experiences in schools that make life a little easier for the entire campus community. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in EdTech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On today's show, we have some content highlights that have been posted to eSchool in the past few days, including some exclusive conversations with some of the most innovative tech directors in public K-12 right now, as well as some pointers to essential new resources for schools. I hope you enjoy it. You know, there's an old trope in journalism that three similar news items equals a trend. This old idea popped up in my head while collecting bits for this show. In this case, the trend du jour is the importance of human behavior when it comes to the use of technology in schools. Obviously, there has been an accelerated push for the implementation of tech during this greatest beta test in history, and it has proven the rule that it's not just about the tools, but about how you use them. A recent news post up at eSchool is my first trendsetter. Cyber.org has released the nation's first voluntary K-12 cybersecurity learning standards that are to be used for schools and districts around the country. The standards center around three core themes, computing systems, digital citizenship, and security, all of which represent key fundamentals in cybersecurity education. Each core concept will cover a range of pertinent cybersecurity topics, from the Internet of Things to threat actors. The one aspect that particularly interests, interests me, though, is the digital citizenship aspect of it. Really, it seems that the technologies to combat these bad actors when it comes to affecting school networks, uh, really networks of any industry, comes down to not so much the algorithms, but teaching the users on how to best use the technology. Phishing attacks, malware, all stem from people being fooled by the use of giving away their passwords, really what it comes down to. And it's it seems like this sort of standard which focuses on awareness and education for not only students, but also faculty and teachers and administrators and parents will be a, a really effective tool when it comes to protecting student data. The second example of this trend came during an interview I did with Dr. Matt Joseph, who is the Executive Director of Learning for Providence Public Schools in Rhode Island, and he is the author of the new book, Stronger Together, How Are We Working to Ensure We Are All Succeeding? Of course, the conversation between two geeks is going to touch upon tech, but upon further review, the essence is really about the people using tech. Have a listen and see what I mean. Okay, Matt, well, thanks so much for joining us today on Innovations of Education. I'm glad you're here. Well, thanks for having me, and it's always great to connect and spirited discussions and chat and laughs are, are always welcome. Well, I like to think of you as the, uh, the, the busiest man in ed tech these days. You know, uh, I've all I can do is muster the strength to get up and put a mask on and go to the supermarket. You're, you're starting new jobs and, and new companies and new books. So give us a little state of play of where you are right now. 
Yeah, there, uh, there was a little summer evolution of trying to take on some new challenges and new directions. I don't think it was because I hit 50, but at that point it was like I wanted to, to try some, some new things as I kind of look at where the state of education is. So I started to do some work in a larger district where I used to work in smaller districts in Massachusetts, you know, 2,000 to 4,000 students. And I want to do some work now. I'm in, in Providence, Rhode Island and doing some work in Providence Public School, 24,000 students and 37 schools and really wanted to take some of the work that I've been doing in smaller districts and really challenge myself to see if I could do that and replicate it in, in a larger scale. And while I was doing that, I was really meeting with educators through writing my last book, The Power of Connections. I had a chance to meet with educators. You know, you and I have gone, go way back and meeting with people at events and having those conversations. And as I start to move into the phase of how can I get others' voices out there, I worked with Brian Aspinall, who's the CEO of Codebreaker. And he said to me, instead of bringing him some of the people that I knew, I brought some people to, to make pitches and now they're writing for Codebreaker. He said, why don't you do your own? And I was like, what? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and he said, why don't, you know, I do, you know, X Factor EDU is my own kind of work in LLC that I do when I do events or go to districts and consult. But he said, why don't you add a publishing arm? And we talked through the summer and I signed on and, and through, you know, the Codebreaker Hub, X Factor is its own entity, but we partnered together and, and launched a publishing company. And then, and then the third thing, this was all like July, <laughs> he said, well, if you're going to launch a publishing company, you have to be the first one to launch a book, just uh, making it, you know, kind of like how that that comes together. So I was like, um, like just released, you know, Power of Connections. You know, this was July. Power of Connections came out June 7th. And he's like, go for it. So then I spent the next two months writing the next book and it actually just launched this week. So I'm really excited about that. So yeah, I'd say I'm a little busy, but it, it keeps me it keeps me grounded and it keeps me um, focused on on the right work and it and ultimately makes me better at the job I do every day. Well, it's not that there isn't a a, a lack of content for you, right? I mean, the the, the, <laughs> pan, the pandemic has proved to be that the you know, the biggest beta test in in education technology history with all these complete transformations. Talk a little bit about some of the insights that are in the book that, that readers could expect to see? Sure. So the new, book, the new book is called Stronger Together. And one of the things that I learned in writing the last book, Power Connections, it really was that we were separate. And I missed my peeps. And I wrote about how to stay connected and how to grow your professional learning network and get ideas outside of your zip code. And then as we started to transition back, one of the things I learned from having that emergency room essentially emergency education of COVID came, we had to stop, is we never had a landing path to like really be successful. So what's stronger together is as, as we come back to schools, how do we rebuild the infrastructure and have that collaboration? How do we not go back to our silos, come into work at seven and leave it at, at 2.30? So really the crux of the book and the subtitle is power connections within a school community. In, in a district. So really focusing on now that we're coming back and some slower than others, how can we continue to have collaboration? How can we have students work together? There's many chapters about how students can continue to work together because my fear is that everybody comes back and we stop some of the digital collaboration that we had or, or collaboration. And then I talked about teachers being leaders because one of the things that we learned 
in the pandemic is that a title didn't make a leader, that people made leaders. And this is not anything new, but really focused on strategies that when we come back together, how do we really enhance what we have? And in the last chapter was one of my favorite, was just have fun. Yeah. How can we come back and have fun? And I just listed like staff room scavenger hunt, go to a restaurant for your staff meeting, different ways that within the, your school that you can still have fun because there are things that bring us down. And we learn that for sure. And, and coming into work and complaining about it doesn't make it any better. So really trying to have fun throughout the day because you know, taking from my years, I was never a principal during a pandemic just to, for, for pure transparency, but I was a principal for almost 11 years. And using some of those strategies and what I learned from being away and what I really missed is really what the heartbeat of this book is. Well, when you look at some of the technologies that everyone was forced to use, you know, whether they liked it or not. And I know even just for all those years of us talking about the, you know, the positive use of video in the classroom or teachers recording for professional development. And it was always very much like a resistance there, especially to right. the idea of recording. Now it's there. I think everyone's comfortable with it. They can see the benefits of it and other applications such as with real-time video, synchronous communications like we're doing right now when it comes to special education and getting five people together for a student's IEP, uh, school board meetings. You can see how interesting they've become in person this fall <laughs> and how they might be more productive actually if they were kept as a, as a Zoom call or as a synchronous meeting. Talk about some of the technologies you see that, that you hope will be sticking around once we go back to whatever normal is. Definitely the, the, the ability to connect with others outside of your classroom. One of the things that I was working with with, with teachers were two different tools. And, and, and you know, we're, we did a Flipgrid, which was really static video, though, where they recorded on, on Habitat. And then we actually partnered with, so I'm in New England, so the Habitat now is starting to get cold. You know, some animals are leaving and, and, and changing of season, leaves are falling off. But we partnered with a classroom down in Arizona, and they were describing what they see. So those types of, of opportunities and learning opportunities shouldn't, shouldn't stop. And, and also the, the, the real time, like you said, using our community, having you know, the fire chief into the classroom and on the screen and ask questions when our units is on community or actually looking into medical centers and seeing this, this live and, and ask real professionals. You know, uh, as an elementary you know, principal, we'd always like to have people in a community day. Well, it's not as easy anymore. And it also limited the amount of people you could have in. <laughs> you know, right. when we, couldn't right. have, we couldn't have lunch today because we're hours away from each other, but we could connect and have a conversation. So using that technology as well, using the opportunity to use cloud-based writing. What I mean by that is students can, can write online, either in Google Docs or whatever form they use, and a teacher can give real-time feedback. You don't have to pass your paper in and wait five days, get it back, do the second draft. And I think those type of efficiency tools, and that's how I've been calling it. If it's an efficiency tool, it's one that needs to stick around. Yeah. If it's a cool tool that could be gone in a year, well, it's cool for the moment, but we want to be efficient and focused on the learning. But it certainly sounds by the descriptions of some of the chapters in your book that it's the in-person interaction, which really can't be replaced by technology, only complemented by the, the technology, right? Yeah, and, and, and using it within in-house in as well is to have more efficient meetings. 
and how to utilize one of the examples that I talked about in there was to have leaders have a message board for announcements that they sometimes take an hour of the staff meeting to, to do and use those real-time tools so that when you have an efficient staff meeting, you can come together, be stronger together and have teachers share what they do in class right. and have those opportunities and find those times, you know, how to reinvent common planning time, how to reinvent staff meetings, how to engage the community. So the book is really looking at, you know, rebuilding relationships as we come back and giving strategies to do so. And also allowing students to have that chance too. So they feel connected to school because as much as we don't want to talk about it, some students thrived in, in, in remote learning. And I'm not saying it's the way we have to go or should go. So let's make sure that those students are taken care of as well when they come back, that if it goes back to the brick and mortar paper and pencil, they're going to go back to not liking school. Yeah. Well, speaking of in-person meetings, I'm hoping to see you in person sometime in 2022, fingers crossed. Yeah. That Omicron, so. it's not going to mess us up, but tell us where, you know, where are you on the road coming up in the next few months? Um, I have a few events coming up. I'm really looking forward to FETC, Future of Education and Technology. I'm actually one of the two uh, featured administrators. I have four sessions um, as far and a, and a panel as well. I'm actually on one panel with my Codebreaker teammates with Brian Aspinall, um, Daphne McMenamin, and one Codebreaker author and X-Factor editor, Christine Racy-Weinstein. Uh, we're going to talk about disrupting the status quo. And then I'm going to be talking about Stronger Together and Power of Connections as well. It could be at IdeaCon in Chicago. And I'm going to try to make it down to TCA as well. And those take up the first three months of, of the new year. And hopefully one of the things I've really started to work with is going into actual school districts and, and working with schools, especially around this book, uh, because districts not only want to just hear or read about it, do a book study to come in and do sessions and have the opportunity to interact with staff. So, you know, that's something I've really enjoyed. That's been a little bit different for, for me and the work I've been doing. Well, your work has been exemplary. Uh, it's, it's been inspiring. I know the conversations that we've had uh, with some of the webinars you've done with us here at eSchool News have really, uh, really added to the conversation about what's happening in EdTech and hopefully we can actually end up in a better place. So I appreciate your work and I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Well, thank you. And I look forward to, to working with others. You can check out, you know, xfactor.edu if you want to see some of the work that we're doing at xfactor.edu.org. You can see our team. You can see the things that we're doing because at the end of the day, the big reason for that shift this summer is to amplify other people's voices and for to support you and your work as educators. So I look forward to doing that in 2022 and beyond. Fantastic. Well, have a, have a good holiday and uh, hopefully we'll see you in person in 2022. Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. And finally, I recently had the pleasure to moderate a panel of educators discussing the use of video creation tools, both in the classroom and again, obviously, remotely uh, due to the pandemic. In this snippet, Dr. Jesse Fidelio Garza, who is the Technology Integration Coordinator for Los Fresnos CISD in Texas, discusses how these tools have changed the behaviors of parents for the better. Have a listen. You know, we've touched on the, the aspect of how families have been more engaged now in these past two years in, in, in a strange way when it comes to reaching out because you couldn't be there in person, right? So as we sit here on Zoom, we're all comfortable with that now. But there's a lot of synchronous aspects of that, too. Jesse, maybe you could talk a little bit about how technology has evolved parents' visibility into students' learning and the role that they can play in, in aiding that process. 
Absolutely. I mean, during the pandemic, you had parents, you had guardians that really got a front row seat of what their child was learning. And I mean, not to say that parents never really were involved. I'm sure they were. And I like to think positive and say that every parent guardian is involved in their child's education. I really want to believe that in my heart of hearts, right? But really what happened during the pandemic is that every parent and guardian got to see, got to hear, and really got a spoonful of what, you know, their child is getting every single day in instruction from pre-K through grade 12, right? And with that being said, they saw, you know, what teachers were going through. They saw some of those struggles and, and they got to see firsthand, okay, you know what, this is a newfound, you know, frontier, that we're going to be embarking on and, and we're going to have to cross this bridge together. It was frustrating for many parents and guardians, I'm pretty sure. But with that being said, with the videos and with Screencastify and teachers being able to create videos and other lectures, other presentations, and to be able to offer those for moments when the child couldn't be on a live stream on Google Meet, couldn't be on a Zoom call couldn't be there for synchronous instruction and have that availability to them for asynchronous instruction for at-home learning. That really was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It really was that silver lining after a storm. And it really helped a lot of students understand, okay, you know what? I may not be able to be in there because I might not have internet you know, connectivity throughout the day, but after hours, I probably will have internet connectivity you know, because of the broadband and where I live and all of that. And I will be able to watch those videos and to give that guarantee for, for teachers to have that, you know, reassurance, you know, that, that really helped out a lot. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Eschool News is always free for educators and always helping innovative educators like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. Be sure to tap into the four-part series, Back Office Innovations in K-12, on the webinar tab at eschoolnews.com, where we discuss how to build efficiencies and data security and compliance through forms process automation.